Well, good morning, Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. Welcome to another virtual church experience. We are so glad to have you with us today. I was drawn to a passage from 1 Peter chapter 1 that I think describes us. Peter writes, To God's elect exiles scattered throughout the provinces of Pontus and Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. It's our prayer that's have together this morning is that God's grace and peace would be ours in abundance as we are, like Peter's readers, scattered across the regions, uh, scattered across the North Woods. We're still able to meet together through the wonders of the Internet. And Peter also reminds us that we are here to remember the blood of Christ. And so today is the second Sunday of the month when we observe the Lord's Supper. And so I would encourage you, if you haven't already, to gather your elements, your bread, your juice, and be prepared to share with us together in just a little while as we remember the cross and remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. Let's, uh, let's join together in prayer as we open our service together. Father in heaven, thank you that even though we're scattered, we can be gathered. Our spirits are united together in our common faith as well as in our love for one another as church family in the Three Lakes EFC. Holy Spirit, please bless us and guide us together today as we are together to worship you, to lift up Jesus, and to glorify our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's begin with some front porch greetings from those in our congregation. Good morning, church. We are just honored to be the greeter this morning, one of the greeters, and uh, we are so thankful for these people that come and take these videos and uh, so many that are involved in the worship service and both of our pastors are so blessed to us. We are so blessed with them and uh, we are grateful. And um, we are the Schmitzes and this is my wife Joy and my name is Fran and uh, we are uh, <laughs> just grateful to be here. Our uh, <clears throat> Our message would be one that we find this a time of peace. And true peace only comes from God. Um, I found a piece of scripture this morning that uh, I'd like to share. And I ain't got my glasses, but I'll do it, I'll do it without it. Uh, it comes out of Psalms, and it's... God's love for us. And during times like this, we tend to doubt God's love for us. And He's got a plan on everything. So all we can do is stand on our faith. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. What a wonderful, encouraging piece of scripture that we need to hang on to during times like this and um, just give thanks each and every day. Well, we're just thankful for the church. We're looking forward to meeting Pastor Tim and Vanessa and the three girls. It's a very exciting time, and we have just been staying in place and are well, and we hope that everybody else is staying in place and are well. All right, uh, my name is Chris Knapsiger, and this is Janie, Sophia, and Eli. We've been going to the church for a couple of years. Um, yep, and we just miss everybody lots. We can't wait to come back and see uh, all of you. And I know we really miss being with the rest of the youth and uh, all the fun club kids. And um, 
During this time, uh, we've both been continuing to work, um, but we it's been a little bit slower pace for everybody, and so we've just been trying to appreciate that and love it and all the extra time that we can spend with the kids. And um, so we just encourage you to just continue trusting that God has a plan and that um, he's giving us a gift of more time to spend with family. So we are really loving that. One of the things that I've been really watching the news is it's uh, it can be hard to know who's telling the truth. It's hard to know what's real and what's what numbers are up or down and all over. And it seems to change every day. But I take a lot of comfort in the fact that Jesus doesn't change and that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And that, that even keel of, uh, of truth is, has really been important during this time. Hello. I'm Carol Ann Simiakowski, and I want to say that I miss all my friends from the church family. I can't wait to see you guys again in person and give you hugs. Um, I just want to let you know that I miss seeing you all. I do have um, a word of encouragement. Some of you are familiar with my um, faith nugget that I've been uh, writing to you about so I actually have one uh, so this is from Matthew 6 31 through 33 it says therefore do not worry saying what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear but strive first for the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all things will be given to you as well and um, this has meant a lot to me through the virus and everything that's been going on but um, I want to wanted you all to know that um, there's a sense of peace here in our house right now that I would never associate with a crisis but that I do associate with having Jesus around the house time and tenderness with David and I um, it's brought us closer to Jesus in a way I could have never imagined and I want to pass that on to you so I love you all and I can't wait to see you take care Good morning, church. This is Jerry Lilligan here, and I'm so glad to be able to do this today. Uh, and I thank Sherilyn and Bob so much for traipsing all over the country um, so that we can share each other's lives. Uh, when I thought about what I wanted to do, uh, I want to make it short and simple because there's a lot going on. But I have, I've written two lists down, and uh, one is my miss list, and the other is my grateful list. So I'm just going to briefly read those off to you. Uh, the first is the missing list. Um, I miss the hugs. I miss the fellowship. I miss cross-training. I miss coffee time and that good coffee that we get from Eagle River Roasters. I'm missing the new pastor already, and he's not even voted in, Tim Beyer. I miss um, the worship time and the preaching, although we have been blessed to be able to see that every Sunday, and I'm thankful for all the people that are involved in that. I miss our potlucks, our time to enjoy special food and special time with each other extended time. These are the things that I'm grateful for. And this is all regarding the church. I'm grateful for Pastor Scott, who continues to lead us in this difficult, uh, uncertain time. I appreciate and I'm grateful for Pastor Ian and Cami. How in the world Ian can reach out to the youth in this way, but I know he is. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the board who have a very difficult task in staying connected to our people and 
making us feel that we aren't far away from each other, uh, including this filming right here. I thank, um, thank the Lord also for Lori. Um, she does so much uh, staying in communications with us and um, her willingness to go that extra mile when we need it. And I'm grateful for our search committee who have worked diligently before the virus and during the virus and being able to facilitate us actually hiring this gentleman and getting him and his family up here, um, hopefully, and in a good time. And I also uh, am thankful for our worship team uh, when they um, uh, stream the, um, the worship time at church before our sermons, um, their ingenuity, the number of people that are involved, I'm just very grateful for that. I'm grateful to the Lord who has again furnished me with a wonderful home to go to next Saturday. Uh, I thank everyone for all their prayers, all their input, all their suggestions. And I am so looking forward to it and also look forward to sharing that someday with all of you. Thank you. God bless.
For our prayer time this morning, I draw our attention to Psalm 27. David writes these words, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The answer is no one. The answer is nothing. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Again, no one. Again, nothing. When the wicked advance against me to devour me, it's my enemies and my foes who will stumble and fall. The writer to the Proverbs always says that our enemies will dig a hole and they themselves will fall into it. Same idea here. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. Even then I will have courage. One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To be near the Lord, to be in his presence. What a great joy it is for us to be able to pray, knowing that God is with us and that we are in his presence in our prayers. Join with me as I pray a few of these thoughts from Psalm 27. Then I'll suggest two areas for us to pray individually in our homes uh, afterwards. Thank you, Lord, that we can declare with King David, you are our light and our salvation. You are the stronghold of our lives. Therefore, whom shall we fear? Therefore, of whom shall we be afraid? We need not fear the circumstances that we're all facing today. We need not be afraid of the future. For we know that you are with us, that you are guiding us, you are strengthening us, and you will not let go. Lord, there are those who have plans to harm us. Certainly, our spiritual enemy, Satan, and his army of demons is roaring around in our lives, seeking to devour us. Yet, Lord, we know that in the cross, you have disarmed him and made a public spectacle of him. And, Lord, even those who are physically besieging us, They seem sometimes like an army. Our heart will take courage. We will be confident. Lord, we draw near to you today by faith, knowing that Jesus Christ has opened the door for us to boldly approach the throne of grace. And Lord, it's our desire to seek you and to dwell in your presence not only today and tomorrow, all the days of our lives. As Psalm 23 says, we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Now I'd like to ask you to pray for our schools, our children, our teachers, our parents, as they plan to conclude the year. I know, Lord, that many of them are are just struggling right now. Let's pray for them, that God would give them his grace and strength for these final weeks of the school year. And now we have the great joy of praying for our candidate weekend next week with Pastor Tim and Vanessa Beyer. We've been anticipating this week for a long time, and Doing activities virtually has given us uh, uh, lots of things to plan for. So let's pray that all the things that are planned go well. You've been receiving notes from us with instructions on how to participate. Let's pray that that all goes smoothly, and then let's pray for God's great discernment, both for us and for the buyers, as we consider partnering together in ministry in Three Lakes. So, Lord, we thank you with confidence 
that we need not be anxious, that we can receive the peace of God through prayer and petition as we pray to you with thanksgiving, knowing that your peace, your peace that passes understanding will be ours. We trust you, Lord, for our lives and for our future. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We come now to our observance of the Lord's Supper. Join with me as I read the first account of the Lord's Supper recorded. This writing came probably prior to the writing of the Gospels. And so as Paul gives us this account, it's the closest one to the actual event as it happened. Paul writes, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it, in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's verse 26. We proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. This means that we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim the good news of salvation by grace through faith. And so if there's any doubt that you might have in your walk with God, this is a perfect opportunity for you to settle and have assurance that as you partake of this bread and as you drink of this cup, you are receiving by faith salvation. The bread in the cup doesn't give you salvation, but it's an act and it's a sign and it's a it's a demonstration of your faith in remembrance of what Jesus Christ has done for you. But then notice verse 27. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. I think that's what Judas did when he partook knowing that he was going to be the one to betray Jesus. So let's make sure we're right with God. Make sure our hearts are right with him as we anticipate now partaking of the bread and drinking of the cup. Father, now assure us of our salvation as we confess our sins. We know you are faithful and just and that you will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, make our hearts pure. Reveal to us anything that we need to have to get right with you or to be right with anybody in the world. And Lord, we, we approach you knowing that we are in need of your grace. And so now as we participate in this sacred memorial celebration, we ask you, Lord, Meet us in a very special way that we might experience your grace intimately with you in this worship expression. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he gave some to every one of the disciples. I bet they were really confused. They were expecting him to say the Thanksgiving prayer of the Passover. But he said, this is my body. This is my body given for you. Upon which the sins of the world would be placed the next day. And we look back and we... We know that all we like sheep have gone astray, each one to his own way. But the Lord has laid on him 
the sins of us all. The sacrifice of the body of Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. As we partake, remember the body of Jesus on the cross. And then Jesus took the cup. He said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Remember we talked about the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant? Jesus makes all things new. And the new covenant in his blood is given to us, again, by grace through faith. And by drinking, we are proclaiming that we've received his grace, the cleansing that comes in his blood. In remembrance of the blood of Jesus, let's drink the cup. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. We receive it with gratitude. In Jesus' name. As we consider our discipline and worship and giving, listen to the words of the Apostle Paul from 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Those are wonderful words to remember as we consider the three ways that we can give to the ministry of the gospel through our church. First, if we go to our webpage, Click on Give, and you can make your donation online. Or if you'd like to text us to the number there, you can also text us and and click Give. A lot of people have been just sending their checks to the church office, and uh, you can certainly do that, or you can even stop by and drop it off if you don't trust the mail. Thank you so much for the ministry that you give to us and your worship to the Lord as we share in supporting our church. Thank you now, Lord, for these gifts. Please give wisdom to those whose responsibility it is to use them for the furthering of your gospel and glorifying our Father in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, happy Mother's Day. Today I'd like to share a message with you from 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 to 9. And uh, just trust that this will be a time when we can celebrate the great joy that we have in the women of our church, the women who have graced our lives, and thinking about mothers. God, please bless now the preaching of your word. Give us your grace as we celebrate the great gifts that you've given to us and these wonderful godly women who mean so much to us. In his name we pray. Amen. We'd like to start out our service today with a collage of pictures of our children and thinking about the great gift our children are to us in our church. Today is the day that we honor and celebrate mothers and grandmothers. So that we want to say, Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers watching. Our mothers are so important in our lives. You gave physical life to us. You love us always. You nurture us. You help us in so many ways. You teach us to love God. You wipe our tears and hug us. You clean up our boo-boos and put band-aids on them with a kiss. You play games with us. At the end of the day, you read stories, pray with us, and tuck us into bed. All day long, you have been 
a living Jesus to us. The, these are just a few things Mom does. For that, we say thank you, we love you, and happy Mother's Day. There are important women in our lives that we want to honor today. You may or may not be a mother, but you have influenced us as well and acted as spiritual mothers. From the time we were babies, you played with us, you, and you rocked us in the church nursery so that mom could have an hour of worship and God and enjoyed hearing the sermon uninterrupted. Many of you prayed over us as we slept in your arms. Many of you prayed for us even while we were being knitted together in our mother's womb. Then we granted to Sunday school where you godly women taught us about God's good news and truths from his word. All the while you prayed for us. On Wednesdays you helped with fun club and showed all of us the me- and many children from the community what God's love was. You taught us about his life. You fed us and our own families. You prayed for us. During the sermon, you volunteered for vacation Bible school. You told school stories, led games, helped with crafts, talked to us, baked cookies, and sang with us. All of the hope of pointing us to a lifelong relationship with Jesus. On Sunday mornings, you see us as we race for the coffee table and then to our Sunday, Sunday school class. You smiles, waves, and greetings are an encouragement to each of us. You are a godly model for us. A woman, a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Proverbs 31:30. Thank you, and happy Mother's Day. We'd like to thank all you moms and dads who sent pictures of their children to us. It just brings us great joy to think about the great heritage that they have for us as we seek to pass on our faith to them. Um, We have the great honor of being spiritual parents to our children in our church. And as we think about being spiritual parents to the children of our church, I was drawn to a passage in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 where Paul talks about that picture of spiritual parenthood. Listen to what he says in chapter 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, Just as nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you because we loved you so much we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. It sounds like a spiritual mother, doesn't it? Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and our hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone. We, we preached the gospel of God to you. You are witnesses, and so it is God of the holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So now Paul talks about being spiritual fathers. And here's what spiritual fathers do. Encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and glory. So this passage talks about spiritual parenting. Spiritual mothers and spiritual fathers. And since this is Mother's Day, I thought it would be good for us to think about this idea of spiritual mothers. Spiritual parenting, spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers is not new to the New Testament. Paul talks to Timothy and Titus and calls them my true son in the Lord. The Apostle John talks about his readers being little children. So on Mother's Day, thinking about the women of our church being spiritual mothers seems really consistent with the image of those who are influencing those who might be younger in the faith as they seek to live with them together in the church. 
So I'd like to keep that thought in mind as we read a passage of Scripture that I'd like to apply to this idea of spiritual parenting. And I'd like to focus it specifically on the godly women of our church and the opportunity that they might have of being spiritual mothers. And here's how Peter, I think, would suggest to us how our ladies, how the women of our church can be growing in this opportunity of being spiritual mothers. Second Peter chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. God's divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. So God's given you, ladies, all you need to be spiritual mothers. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. I'd like to focus our attention on verse 8 of this passage. Verse 8 says, that we are to be effective and productive in our Christian lives. And if we apply this passage to women who are spiritual mothers, it would be good for us to consider how you as spiritual mothers might be effective and productive in that role. The gospel motivates us to bear fruit to influence others, to help those people who need Christ to come to faith, and then to help those who are believers grow in their faith. That's what spiritual mothers do. And in this enterprise, Peter reminds us not to play games. He says, think about this seriously. How can you be effective how can you be productive in this great enterprise of being spiritual mothers? So on this Mother's Day, ladies, doesn't matter how old you are, doesn't matter if you're married or single, you have an opportunity to come alongside a child, a teenager, a young adult, and nurture their faith as a spiritual mother. Let's talk about how to be effective and productive in that enterprise today. But before I do, we need to set the context, and the context is found in verses 3 and 4, where Peter tells us the necessary foundation for any ministry in the church. And certainly this applies to the ministry of being a spiritual mother Listen to what he says. Any ministry is given to us only because it is accomplished by God's divine power. Verse 3. God gives us his grace and he calls us by his glory and goodness. And he gives us everything we need to nurture Christian character that we might be effective and productive. And then he tells us that we've received God's divine power through his word. Peter calls them great and precious promises. 
these great and precious promises work within us. The word of God is alive and it, 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 it emboldens our lives and it, it empowers us. It's that which gives us the divine nature, Christ in us, it comes through his word. And then the result is that we escape the corruption of this world caused by evil desires. Thinking about the gospel keeps our motives right in any ministry, but especially in this ministry of being spiritual mothers. And so that's the foundation. That's, that's the foundation of our faith in Jesus, upon which now we build a godly character to become an effective spiritual mother. On this Mother's Day, I suggest this principle to consider. Women of Christian faith will be most effective and most productive in nurturing others in their faith as spiritual mothers when they are dressed in moral virtue, personal discipline, and relational intimacy. It's when Christian women are growing in that character that they are most effective and most productive as spiritual mothers. Now, the things I'm going to share with you today, you probably already know them. Let's talk about them. First, Christian character of a godly spiritual mother is moral virtue. Moral virtue. Morality. Thinking about right and wrong. Thinking about things that build up spiritually in a person's life. Peter mentions two things to add to our foundation of faith. He says, first of all, add to your faith goodness. Now this word goodness refers to moral excellence as opposed to moral inferiority. You really don't know if something's good unless you have something to compare it to. (laughs) And so we are good rather than not good. Goodness is that which is effective and productive. Not goodness is ineffective and useless. This week I took my concordance and I turned to the word good. And I just went through the book of Matthew. And I saw these stark contrasts between good and not good. Matthew talks about good fruit and bad fruit. He talks about a productive tree and a tree that produces nothing. Reminds us of good soil that produces a good crop. And then bad soil that's full of rocks and thorns and weeds. He talks about good news and bad news. Doing good and doing evil. I think of the parable of the steward where the man gives his, his stewards and invest money to invest. And he says, invest this money while I'm gone. And so the ones that invested it, and it was productive, he came back and he said, well done, good and faithful servant. You see, when we're, when we're filled with goodness, that means that we will be effective and productive in the Lord's ministry. And our application, of course, today is the ministry of being a spiritual mother. But then Peter tells us a second quality of moral virtue, and that's knowledge. This is the practical knowledge that enables us to make good decisions. Knowledge that enables us to act honorably in dealing with the everyday circumstances of life. It's spiritual common sense. It's discernment. It's knowing and then doing the will of God. Knowing how to walk in wisdom is what Peter says. So this first area to consider in being a spiritual mother is in the area of morality, moral virtue. But you probably already knew that. Secondly, Peter talks about personal discipline. If you've ever been in a ministry of equipping in the church or if you work in a daycare center 
or if you're in the journey of raising your own children in your own home, you know that every day your own personal well-being is under constant challenge. And if you don't have this idea of personal discipline in your life, life could, could get away from you. And so Peter challenges us in three ways. Thinking about spiritual motherhood, very practical. First, he talks about self-control. One scholar I read this week says that self-control is the ability to get a grip on yourself. <laughs> Just get a grip. We're tempted to, to allow life to fling us around and to manipulate us and for us to just be victims of the pace of life. <laughs> Self-control says, get a grip on it. Get a grip. doesn't mean that a person isn't excited or passionate about things. Rather, it means that we are able to take a hold of the opportunities of activity, the passions of our lives, and make them our master so that they serve us rather than us serving them. Then the second thing in our discipline is perseverance. I think of a runner running the 880 in track. That's twice around the track. And the ones that are really good can sprint twice around the track. Now that's a long sprint. And it takes a runner uh, a tremendous perseverance to to crash through the various barriers of fatigue in his body, and then at the end to have a kick to the finish line. Cicero defined perseverance as the voluntary and daily suffering of hard and difficult things for the sake of honor and usefulness. He must have been reading Second Peter when he talked about effective and productive. And then, thirdly, there is this idea of godliness. This word is sometimes translated piety, but that word gives the impression of just a very, very spiritual person who maybe is, you may have heard this phrase, so heavenly minded that she's of no earthly good. Really, this word godliness talks about a balanced person who is right with God and who was right with her fellow brethren. That's what a godly person is. Rightly related to God with nothing to hinder the intimacy between her and her heavenly Father. And then rightly related to others with nothing to hinder intimacy with fellow believers. And so that's our personal discipline. And this all makes perfect sense, and you probably already knew about it. Then Peter gives us a third category to think about, and that's relational intimacy. And by this summary idea, I mean more than just meeting a friend at a coffee shop and just talking about life and talking about your kids. Relational intimacy means sharpening one another so that we are more complete disciples of Jesus, sharpening one another so that we are more effective and more productive as spiritual mothers. Here's what Peter has in mind. He mentions, first of all, mutual affection. This term refers to permission to interrupt each other from their own preferred conveniences. That's what mutual affection is. I give you permission. You give me permission. You can call me anytime you want to. You can wake me up in the middle of the night. You can interrupt my favorite TV show. You can call me away when I'm on vacation. I will be there for you because my affection for you is so intimate. And there's a mutual affection that we have. One arrogant philosopher once said that he was doing more good in the world as a single person than producing two or three dirty-nosed children. Imagine that. And then he says... How can he who has to teach mankind run to get something in which to heat water to give the baby his bath? (laughs) See, he didn't want to be interrupted by the opportunities of raising children. He just thought, well, he was too important for that. But you see, the mutual affection 
between a mother and a child. And this goes true with a spiritual mother and spiritual motherhood and children in the local church. Spiritual intimacy and mutual affection welcomes personal interruptions on behalf of those that they are influencing. But it also speaks to the lives of others, speaking into their lives, sometimes asking difficult questions, sometimes suggesting an alternative direction, sometimes challenging someone who is walking down a dangerous path and says, you sure you want to go there? Galatians chapter 6 talks about restoring someone caught in sin to a right standing with God. Only those who have mutual affection can do that. To give each other permission. If you see me walking down a path I shouldn't go, tell me. (laughs) Some of us have accountability partners on our computer. Every website I visit is sent to my accountability partner. It's our mutual affection for one another that gives us permission to do that. And then the final summary is love. That's the apex of all of these virtues. Jesus said it best. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. See, that's what spiritual mothers do. They're full of moral virtue. They practice personal discipline. And they're involved in relational intimacy. They're all principles that we've been taught and that we probably already understand. But I want to I wanna just say one thing, and it's there are two things that is found in verse 5. We don't just say, well, I know all that already. I got, it. I got a handle on this. Peter says in verse 5, add to your faith. That means build on your faith. That means make progress. Do it more and more. This means increase in depth of the gospel as it influences our own behavior and then increase in the understanding of the gospel to those you're seeking to influence. See, a professional athlete doesn't just relax when he makes the team. A professional athlete makes the team and that's when the real work starts. He tries to get better and better and better so he can be, so she can be more effective and more productive in its contributions to the team. Think of an image of an army advancing towards its objective. It advances. It has a purpose. It advances to accomplish a mission, and the mission of spiritual mothers is to raise those they are seeking to influence to maturity in Jesus Christ. And then verse 5 says one more thing. He says, make every effort. This phrase comes from a musical productions in ancient Greek theater that use a musical chorus, uh, sometimes numbering into the hundreds. And so this word thinks about the person in charge of this chorus and what it means to equip this chorus, to train this chorus so that they can produce excellence in their performance. But there's an element in this word that we must not ignore. It's not enough just to get by, but rather to outfit them lavishly. Spare no expense. Give them the best. If we want them to be excellent, give them excellence. So applied to the idea of spiritual mothers, don't ever be content with just giving someone advice and having devotion with someone. Pour your life into them. Make every effort to help them grow. Equip them so that they will succeed. Maybe they'll be spiritual mothers themselves someday. And always remember that you must be full of moral virtue that you must be full of personal discipline, and that you must be full of relational intimacy. This is the wardrobe of spiritual mothers.
who are effective and productive in their lives. I'd like to close by reading verse 12 of 2 Peter chapter 1, where Peter says, So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in the truth you now have. Ladies, you probably already knew these things. I just wanted to remind you. Happy Mother's Day. We thank God for all of you who so effectively and productively grace our lives. Have a great day is our prayer. God bless.